welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm going to sit down with Jamin Stenziano from the Sojourn Network, also the pastor of Summit Life Church in Florida. We've had interviews with uh, Pastor Dave Harvey from the Sojourn Network, and it's a privilege and pleasure to sit down with another guy from this network. Jamin does a great job of investing in future church planters. They're trying to help pastors plant, grow, and multiply healthy churches that last. And you'll hear that as we go through some of the questions and the discussion in today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. All right, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. It is my privilege to have on the line with us Jamin Stenziano out of yep. Florida. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just did an interview with another guy out of Florida, um, South Florida. But um, Jamin, you are the senior pastor of Summit Church, and then you have a leadership role in the Sojourn Network. And we've talked with um, Dave Harvey from Sojourn Network um, so I'd love to hear kind of your connection with, with Sojourn as well. You're, lead, you're in a key leadership role, as far as I can tell online. But share a little bit of your story. First, your background story, church planting. You've got just a really fruitful ministry. Um, yeah, And then absolutely. we'll jump into church planting. Well, I'm really glad to talk to you, Josh. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Vicki. Uh, we've been married for 17 years now and have six children, by God's grace, uh, three biologically three through the foster system and uh, get to be a part of a team that leads and pastors uh, summit church down here in Southwest Florida. So we started in what's known as the Estero area, South Fort Myers of Southwest Florida, but we have congregations now in Fort Myers and Naples. So for those who've never been down to our area, you go down as far West as you can a couple hours South of Tampa and that's where we are, suffering for Jesus down here. <laughs> and um, we planted Summit Church 15 years ago. So this past September was our 15th anniversary. And God has been so good to us to sustain us over these years. A lot of, lot of ups and a lot of downs. And he's been really good in all of it. And so, yeah, we exist, uh, you know, glorify God by making disciples who represent the gospel to every man, woman, and child. And so we want to do that as faithfully as we can. Wow. That's awesome. So share a little bit about Sojourn Network. How does that relate to um, Summit and your chronology that you just gave? So when we started, there weren't a lot of networks like there are now. I'm I'm really uh, oftentimes jealous of planters these days who have the opportunity to partner with networks. But when we started, we started as a Southern Baptist church. So we were part of the SBC. We still are. And about nine or 10 years in is when we started to really engage in network and partnership uh, through network. And so we've been in Sojourn Network for a handful of years now. And it happened actually because I met Dave Harvey. Dave Harvey's actually on staff with us here at Summit now, down here in Southwest Florida. He's a teaching pastor here. But we met years ago, and just really the Lord linked our hearts together and and knit our hearts together. That was one of those conversations where I walked away from thinking, I I think this man 
was going to have a voice in my life for a very long time. At least that's what I was hoping for. And so God grew that relationship and we met some other uh, pastors uh, and folks that were part of the network and we really just fell in love with what they were doing. And so uh, I do serve on the board now and I also serve in the church planting area, kind of leading out the church planting process for the network. You know, churches plant churches, but networks can help. And so I get to lead that part out as we assess and as we come alongside of local churches to plant uh, Sojourn network, it's a, it's one of the great networks that God has uh, in our nation. And uh, we love to be a part of it. We exist to help pastors and their teams and the leaders in their churches to plant, grow and multiply churches that last durable churches. This is what we want churches that will outlast us and they'll be healthy and they'll be renewal driven and things like that. And so uh, we love being a part of Sojourn Network and we love giving to it and serving it and seeing what God's doing in and through it. Wow, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, so if you've um, been pastoring for 15 years and you've helped us establish, did you say three other churches? So we have three congregations here in Southwest Florida. We've also uh, again, by God's grace, been able to plant, um, I think it's 12 churches that we've had the opportunity to plant out of us and then partner with a lot of other great churches um, as, you know, as friends or uncles or, or brothers in that process. Yeah. So you've got congregations, so your you're multi-site, is that, what you, is that the term that you guys mm-hmm. would use, your multi-site? And then you also have church plants that you guys have sent out. That's right. Man, that's that's awesome. right. That's great. And uh, so, so yeah, we're multi-site. The, those congregations, it's intentional to call it a congregation and not a campus or something like that. We, those are fully functioning churches with local elders and uh, all the, the ministries of a local church are taking place. And we're linked together here in Southwest Florida. Um, not autonomous congregations, but um, certainly congregations that have the joy of working together, but also being unique in the context that God's placed them in. So Mm. that's how we see ourselves. That's awesome. That's great. I want to jump into um, some points. We went back and forth by email and you gave me a few different things that are close to your heart when it comes to talking to church planters. And um, some of the things uh, that you're writing sound familiar, but then there are a couple of things where I was like, so like, this is what I want to get into. I want you to clarify these. So, um, you talk about the calling to plant and you're working, I like trolling you on Twitter. I can see that you're spending a lot of time working with, with guys, encouraging guys. You seem to have just, um, a real ministry of coming alongside many, many different people, um, from what I can tell online. Um, but as you're working with guys on just discerning their call to plant, you listed out the head, heart, and hands, which I'm familiar with, but then you added habitat. Can you elaborate on, explain head, heart, and hands, but then elaborate on habitat? What does that mean? So that's primarily through Sojourn Network. When we're assessing church planters, and this would be for Sojourn or for churches that aren't part of Sojourn, um, when we look at the head, really we're wanting to understand the theological and the missional convictions behind why someone would feel like they're called to plant a church. Uh, so I think that's pretty self-explanatory. The heart would be really who they are on the inside, 
what is the character that the father's developing inside of them? The hands would be really the abilities that they have, the ability to preach, the ability to lead, the ability to counsel. Uh, but then we also look at habitat. We want to look at the places where that planter uh, lives. That would be in the home. That would be in the local church that they're a part of or being sent out from. That would be in the community that the Father's placing them in. And so really wanting to understand with that habitat piece, uh, what are they like in those places where they live, work, and play, in the mm-hmm. places where uh, people really see them? and understand them and know them? Um, Does their family uh, want to follow them? Do they feel like this individual has the heart of a shepherd and actually is able to uh, lovingly lead um, his home in such a way where uh, that could then translate into loving and leading in a church context? When we look at the local church, you know, oftentimes what happens with church planters, and and I'm sure you've seen this before, Josh, is that somebody has a real, they just have trouble operating or living within a system of a local church. And so things get so frustrating or, or they just uh, make a decision to get out of there and then they go plant another church somewhere. And all they're really doing oftentimes is uh, they're taking the dysfunction that they lived in, in that local body Mm. And they just translate that into a leadership role in a new church. Mm. Um, And so if local elders can't look at uh, a man and an individual and his family and say, we believe that this person uh, should go out and plant a church. We believe that's a good thing for the kingdom. If you can't find a local body of believers that believes that, well, that's at least something to look at and to consider why is that the case? Um, it could be that they're just in churches that don't have a heart for the kingdom, or it could be uh, that they themselves aren't an effective leader in the kingdom, at least at this time in their lives. So we want to consider that. We want to consider their community. What's their reputation in their community? Uh, what kind of things are they involved in? What are they known for? Uh, so really getting an understanding, not just, a, you know, anybody can open a book and study theology or can sit down in an assessment and at least portray um, what God may or may not be doing in their lives, but to hear other people communicate, no, this person, uh, um, this person does have a calling to plant a church or this person does love in a way that reflects Jesus. That's a totally different thing. And so we want to, we want to look at the head, the heart, the hands and the habitat of the planter when we're considering calling. That's beautiful. It reminds me of um, Timothy as uh, Paul was laying out the qualification for a bishop and elder. He's talking about the whole life, that that being a man of the home, being a man of well, of a good reputation in your community. That's great. Great, um, great point. It looks like um, Sojourn Network, from what you're saying in your email here, has a strong missional emphasis um, what does it mean like uh, what does it mean for a church planter to be missional? Yeah, certainly that's a kind of a buzzword, or at least it was for a while. Yeah, uh, I think to be missional, truly understood, is to understand the mission of God, uh, as I, as I would put it, to understand the redemptive and the reproductive mission that God has for people and for His church uh, to be part of the glory of the Lord, filling the ends of the earth. 
um, and reproducing uh, disciples and leaders and churches in such a way that gets after that. Um, to be missional is to, to understand those things and to live into those things and have convictions that drive your actions uh, behind those things. You know, we know that, you know, church planting isn't the goal, right? So, so gospel saturation is actually the goal, that, that the glory of the Lord would fill the earth, that every man, woman, and child would have repeated opportunities to hear the gospel, see the gospel, respond to the gospel. And so a missional understanding understands where we are in the context of that. And what are we called to do? Why do we exist? Do we exist just to have a platform for us to preach from? Or do we exist because we want to see darkness pushed back in a geography and we want to be part of what God is doing uh, in these communities. So, uh, yeah, Summit, we were, we were planted really with a missional DNA. We thank God for that from the very beginning. And really, we believe every church should be planted with a missional DNA. Um, again, there are uh, some instances when churches are planted, again, just for the, the ability for an individual or a group of individuals to use their gifts in that setting, and maybe they weren't getting to do it somewhere else, so they plant a church. Can God work through that? Absolutely. Uh, but certainly if, if that church is, is planted with, with the missional DNA already, you know, already within them, um, they're going to get after that in a much different way than a church that just exists for itself. Mm. Can you think of a, a conversation you've had recently with a church planter about this theme of, of being missional and, but, but doing a church plant, like, like how the rubber meets the road as a missional church planter. Um, what does that, what does that look like recently for you in training guys? Well, I think that, I mean, it, it looks different in each setting. So obviously the, the place where the father as you planting uh, determines a lot of it. Uh, but I think even in the ways that we organize ourselves, you know, say vocationally. So I, I actually think a missional understanding demands that some folks plant churches as bivocational uh, individuals. And oftentimes that's not just because there aren't enough funds, but because there's an understanding that, um, that I need to be engaging with lost people. And one of the ways that I can do that is through uh, working in the world that I'm in. Uh, now that's easy for me to say when I planted, I didn't plant bivocationally. Uh, I have such respect for guys who are able to do that. And I don't think it's what maybe God has for everybody, but I think that's one of the ways that we can be missional. I think of one of the guys that we planted out of here recently at Fort Myers community church, a guy named Bill Vecchio, who uh, is a church planter, but he's also a realtor. And he got a, a realtor license as he was going through this process because he knew, okay, I want to be engaging with lost people. I want to be engaging uh, with the community around me. I want to know the stories of the community around me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be missional in that way. And so I think there's a, a, a lot of different ways that we can go about it. That's one of the things that jumps up in my mind. Also, really just listening to the community. Um, so I think, I think you go into a community and you ask first, what does God want for this community? And then what does this community need? Like, what are the, what are the pain points in this community? What are the stories coming out of this community? What are the things that are rising to the surface that again, if I'm going to plant a church in that area, that is for the transformation of that geography 
Uh, that may look different than a church that I might want to plant myself. Uh, but if the church exists for that geography, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to meet those needs. It's going to minister to those needs. It's going to hear those stories and respond to those stories. And I think a missional understanding uh, really demands that. I think of, I'm sorry, I'm, I keep talking here, but I think of some missional convictions that we have that have been so formative for us uh, came from a guy named Dwight Smith. He's a missiologist out of South Carolina. He hmm. helped shape our understanding of the nature and the purpose of the church early on. And he talks about these three convictions, which are really core for us, that whatever God's going to do in the world today, he's going to do it through all of Christ's people not just through a small group of people who have an ability to, to get up and preach, but he's going to do it through all of Christ's people. So, so if that's true, then I have, to, I have to order my church in a way that's getting after uh, all of Christ's people. Mm-hmm. Second conviction that he talks about is whatever God's going to do in the world today, he's going to do it through decentralized structures, right? Not necessarily through bigging, building this huge church in this area of town where everyone's going to come to, but instead decentralizing in such a way where God's people are scattered throughout your community, either in uh, churches that have been formed or missional communities or small groups, but it's the gospel going out in God's people. And then finally, whatever God's going to do in the world today, he's going to do it through leaders who see their, their highest priority as the equipping and empowering of God's people. And that's over and above using your own gifts. Uh, so a lot of guys, they think, well, I want to plant a church because I want to, I want to preach. I want to use my gifts and there's nothing wrong with using your gifts. In fact, you need to steward those gifts, but your highest priority as a shepherd is the equipping and empowering of Christ's people, all of those people that the father gives to you so that they can do the work of the ministry so that they can live into their priesthood as believers in those decentralized places with the missional understanding that whatever God's going to do in the world, he's going to do it through all of his people. Mm. Wow, that's good. So that's Ephesians four. Oh yeah, absolutely. Really coming coming into into play. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you you're talking about geography a bit, um, and that's something else that you mentioned in your email. This idea of targeted geography, and then you put in um, parentheses a uh, circle of accountability. What 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 is a circle of accountability? So when we plant churches or congregations, we we want to have a targeted geography. And uh, what we talk about here is a circle of accountability. We call it a COA. And really that's, I mean, that's not anything new. Probably most church planters or churches do this. For us, it's a, it's a geography that we determine, okay, that's the circle that we're going to go after. So usually it's about a five-mile radius. And we look at the community around us and we do demographic studies on that COA. What are the schools in that area? What are the mercy ministries in that area? Uh, again, what's the education level in that area? What are the needs that are arising? What are the addiction issues in that area? And then we give most of our efforts to saturating that geography with the gospel. I think, I think sometimes what we do when we plant churches is we say, okay, I want to reach this city. So say I want to reach Baltimore and we plant a church in Baltimore and we look at the millions of people in that area and we say, we're going to reach all these people instead of taking this smaller chunk where you're going to spend most of your time, again, living, working, and playing in that area and saying, we're going to saturate this area and we're going to partner with the schools in this area. We're going to partner with the mercy ministries in this area. We're going to plant churches in this area. And, and, and really that's, that's countercultural, planting a church across the street or down the road from yourself because you really want to see the people in that area. So for us, I think of our university congregation, which is the first one we started 
back in uh, 2003. We have about 55,000 people in that geography. Well, 55,000 is a lot of people. Yeah. There's over a million people in Southwest Florida. So do I want to spend my energies at that congregation going after a million people or do I want to see 55,000 people have repeated opportunities again to hear the gospel, see the gospel, respond to the gospel? Uh, to me, that's the, that's a, a chunk that we can at least get up in the morning and say, let's get after this. Let's plant churches in this area. Let's partner with ministries in this area. Let's serve the schools in this area. Let's do foster care in this area. And let's see the Father transform this area so that then we can go out into other areas and, and plant more churches. Mm. I love that. That means a lot to me personally because I, um, in our church plant in Baltimore, we've taken a square mile that has thirty thousand people in it, and we've drawn a, we've literally customized a Google map, and said this is our ministry focus area. We've broken it down into blocks, literally two hundred and sixty blocks. We've, we've tried to pair per, prayer partners with every single block, and. Um, and but but I don't um, that uh, was somewhat countercultural when I did that. In fact, I, I tried to get some um, consulting from a bigger church um, early on in the process, and was just kind of expressing some of our struggles and trying to reach that area, and um, and and just some of the demographic issues. And I got all I got was basically pushback. Well, you just need to go to you know go to a different area where we're going to get more traction. <laughs> and so, well, we feel called to this geographic area. Yep. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to own. So, it, it, and the term that was used, as I described it to a guy in Chicago, he was saying it's more of a parish, like the idea of how the mm-hmm. Catholics take on like a parish. Yeah, um, absolutely. I like that. I like that. Why? So it's called circle of accountability. Why? Why the word accountability? Is that that what the planter is accountable for? Is that what that means? Yeah. So and here's what's great about it is is our church has a circle of accountability. So Summit here in Southwest Florida, we have three circles of accountability in those three different places where our congregations are. But then every person in our church has their own circle of accountability. Mm. So if you get the imagery of there's this larger circle where the church is taking ownership yeah. and has accountability to again, saturate that geography. Mm. But then every person that comes in the doors of Summit Church, they're being sent out with their own circles of accountability. A lot of them are within that big circle, right? So you just think about all these little circles within the big circle of people uh, representing Christ in those places. But then also many of them go outside of that circle Mm. into their own geographies. and, And then hopefully, by God's grace, we can either see churches emerge there or, or a work in some way. And so I think a circle of accountability, whatever you call it, it's not just the church's um, understanding of their circle, mm. but every person, every man, woman, child that comes into that place and has the spirit alive inside of them, they take the gospel to every place they go. And so they have a circle of accountability themselves. That's their family. That's the place where they work. That's the schools where the kids go. Um, that's the gyms where they work out, the stores where they shop. All of those types of things become a circle of accountability for them as well. Wow, man, that's good. I'm taking that to my church this Sunday. <laughs> that's so good. I <laughs> well, love we it. didn't come up with it, so uh, it's all yours. Thanks, man. Um, let's uh, let's finish off by just talking a little bit about church leadership. Um, it looks like uh, plurality of leadership, interdependent leadership is um, something that you're emphasizing in the Sojourn Network. 
Um, we've recently seen some big name pastors um, have to step down from leadership. Um, how does plurality of leadership um, maybe remedy those types of things, or, or, or how does those those two realities interplay? Yeah, well, that's good. Um, yeah, it's been devastating to see um, those stories and to hear them and uh, to recognize, you know, the propensity in all of us to wander and to, to go toward those types of things. And so uh, I do think a plurality. Um, so when we talk about plurality, that is an emphasis of Sojourn Network. Interdependence is more so something we talk about at Summit. It's part of our plurality. So I'll try to talk to both of those things. But a plurality certainly it sets up safeguards and, and it protects and hopefully um, keeps us from those places of abuse and those places of of failing. Obviously, if someone wants to skirt the system or get around it, somehow they can. Uh, but a plurality, I think, is it's God's gift to the church, and I think it's it's the biblical understanding of leadership and. God gives a plurality to the church because he knows that um, that there's a variety of voices and a variety of individuals that are needed to shepherd a body, and they each come with their own gifts, and um, the church needs all of those gifts, and so that gets more so to the idea of interdependence, that we want to see teams of individuals lead churches in such a way where the Father's using their gifts to build up the body, but then also within that plurality, it's a protection. And it's, it's, um, I know my wife, Vicki says to me all the time, I'm so thankful that we planted summit church with a team and that God has a team that you're a part of. Um, not because my wife doesn't trust me, but because she knows me and she knows herself and she knows that uh, having a group of individuals that you're linking arms with and partnering with, um, that there's so much value and so much protection and so much joy that comes from that. And so I'm the same way. I thank the Lord that he's given us that so much so that it's something we advocate for as a church. When we plant churches out, we're planting in teams. Um, It's not that you, you know, it's not if you don't plant in a team, you're doing it the wrong way. Uh, and that's not even something necessarily that Sojourn Network um, mandates. But for us, when we send guys out, we we know how important it is, at least for ourselves. And so we think we want to multiply this. And so we want to multiply teams of individuals, um, which oftentimes slows down the multiplication process because it's it's harder to find – it's hard enough to find one guy that wants to go out and plant, let alone two or three that want to go out and plant. And so – um, oftentimes it slows it down, but we think it's the healthiest, um, most biblical way to, to send out. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that gets after your question, but when we talk about interdependence, what I would want you to, to understand about that is oftentimes you have the senior pastor, right? And then there's a plurality around them. And, and basically it's what the senior pastor wants to do. And then everybody else just kind of works toward that vision. Uh, interdependence, really the picture of interdependence is a team of individuals who all bring different gifts to the table and all of those gifts are needed in the body of Christ. And so how does the father want to use that through a team that's dependent upon one another? So 
there are some guys that are gifted in shepherding in ways that I'm not. I have a call to shepherd, certainly, but there are some guys that have that gift even stronger. So I need to lean on them to learn how to do that and to let them lead almost like a first amongst equals in that area. There are guys that are stronger in the truth and in teaching. There are guys that are stronger in mission and evangelism and things like that. And so interdependence looks to really um, pull all of those gifts together for the good of the body uh, and to lead in such a way, hopefully that reflects the Trinity, hopefully in a way that reflects the father, the son and the Holy spirit in the way that they uh, have their own specific things that they do, but also are, are leaning into the gifts and the, the things that the other has as well. And so um, that's the way we try to model it here at summit. Man, that's beautiful. Thank you, Jamin. I think our time is ran out. I'm gonna uh, maybe we can follow up in a future interview and just talk more about strategically developing that because that's that's um yeah I, I know I know guys are hearing you say that and there's like more that we could tap into on that but our, our time's up for this uh, episode. I'm really grateful for your time. Um, we will share the church website as well as Sojourn Networks. Um, website online how do people find you personally yeah uh, people can email me uh, if they want uh, jamin at summitlife.com and I, I would love to, to receive those you can you know just put my name in in any social media and you should find it as well i'm i'm the only jamin stinziano in the world that i know of so yeah that makes uh, it easy I think you'll find me that, that way yep. wow thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it thanks josh really enjoyed it god bless you all right god bless you too Not every American Christian is on the same page about the need for new churches. So we've created a material to help pastors and church leaders talk to their congregations about church planting in a way that's compelling and convicting. We've created a resource called the Church Planting Primer. And the Church Planting Primer can be used as a small group curriculum or it can be used for um, your congregation as a whole, maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Or it can be used in other smaller settings, uh, Sunday school classes, or, or even for your leadership team or your missions committee to go through. The Church Planting Primer is four sessions. It starts with the biblical rationale for church planting. It moves on to the need for new churches in North America. And then after that, we talk about how churches begin, what are the nuts and bolts of how churches begin the New Testament and how they begin today. And the last session is about how everyday Christians can be involved in starting new churches. This material is absolutely free. It's video-based, downloadable online for your use, and you can find it all at newcityplanting.org. Thanks for tuning in to the Church Planting Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode.